Hi, I'm Allison Weisbrot. I'm the editor of Campaign US, and I am here with the leadership team at Havas, and we're going to talk about how the agency is changing to meet the brand challenges of the future. So let's have each of you introduce yourselves before we get into the conversation. Hi, Donna Murphy, Global CEO of Havas Creative and Havas Health and You. Eric Weisberg, Global Chief Creative Officer, Havas Health and You. I'm Mark Simic. I'm the Global Chief Strategy Data and Innovation Officer for the Havas Creative Network. Andre Gray, uh, Chief Creative Officer, Annex 88. Awesome. So, Donna, let's start with you. You were named the global CEO across Havas' creative network and health networks in 2022. How has that changed your role? We have never been so excited. If you think about the intersection of health and creativity and the direction that it has moved in, now is the time, and we were in front of the movement. We saw it beginning to happen during COVID. Every brand, every brand you can think of has health related to it. We were speaking about um, an example yesterday for JBL when we pitched it. If you think about JBL, which has earbuds, headphones, when are they used? They're used during exercise, which here is the intersection of health and wellness again with consumer. So stay tuned because we will be powering this forward. Awesome. So um, talk about like as a, as a CEO, how now you oversee two different businesses. How are you integrating them together more closely? So actually, first and foremost, our cultures are similar. So it's really easy once cultures are similar across. And we, particularly with creativity, we've already seen the power of our consumer creatives powering and lifting help in a totally different way. So the way it is being integrated has been seamless also because at Havas, we're agile and flat. It's very easy for us to pull across talent to task in a moment. Awesome. So Eric, you came to Havas from a long career on the consumer side of the business, and now you have the benefit, like Donna, to be at this intersection of health and creativity. Talk about what what's happening in that space and why it's so significant. Yeah. I, well, I think Donna touched on the first and most important thing is that Today, every brand is a health and wellness brand. You look at where the biggest companies in the world are placing their bets, Apple and Walmart and Amazon and Google, it's in health and wellness. And you see the work that they're putting out there is driving conversations and culture. And so that immediately raises the bar for where health brands need to go with their work. They aren't competing against other health brands anymore. They're competing against the best brands in the world. And that is a, a new level of opportunity for us. To, to, and that's where the combinations of these worlds come together. We're living in this age of health coming off of COVID where everybody is more aware of their personal health, the health of their families, the health of their communities. And health brands are in a unique place to be, in my mind, way more important to people's lives than, you know, uh, just Jeeps and Big Macs and things that I was working on before. Um, I love Jeeps and Big Macs. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? But um, I think there's a real opportunity for health to be a big driving force in the future of creativity and innovation. Yeah. To me, what's really interesting is that it seems like health, you know, it's always been a very specific format of health creative, and now it's becoming a lot more influenced by consumer creative. Yeah. How are you taking advantage of that? Um, in this new setup? Well, I think you look, I think you think when you think of health and wellness, you think of the consumer work 
that we see in the United States, which is people running on the beach or riding bicycles or, uh, or, or you know, or skydiving. Um, the reality is there is a whole nother side to what the health and wellness business is. That is one of the things that I found most exciting, which is the relationship that you have with your physician and the work that we do to doctors, to payers and consumers, and how that is interconnected in one story is, this, is the stuff that really excites me. Like in one way, health and wellness is the last major industry to have this consumer-centric transformation. You know, we've seen it in telecom, we've seen it in travel, we've seen it in communications. It's now happening in health, where we as the, the patients are driving a huge part of the decision, a huge part of the responsibility, and that's done in connection with our doctors. And, and to me, that opens up all sorts of opportunities. Yeah, um, Andre, I'm curious from your perspective, on the creative side, how you're seeing health creative sort of meeting consumers where they're at and, and becoming a little bit more consumer driven. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, as, as Eric was saying, you know, your health should be the first, second and last thing that you think about every day. Right. And so as people start to shift, you saw people looking at their lives and reevaluating kind of their work-life balance. What do they get out of their days? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I think when you when you com, com, combine that with better representation in the industry writ large, which is, you know, we're still a country mile away from where we need to be, but the permissions start to change and the things that people want start to change, right? When you when you talk to historically under-resourced people in this industry and you say, Well, hey, do you wanna do you wanna sell sugar water or do you wanna go help your community fight diabetes? That seems like a pretty easy choice. And I think being able to step into that health and wellness side really gives people a lot of not only agency, but a lot of purpose, right? And so you feel like you're having an impact. And ultimately, that's definitely why I'm here. And um, and I think there's a lot of people who feel similarly. Yeah, that's a, that's a great segue into um, Havas recently released its Meaningful Brand Study. Um, health brands are certainly very meaningful. Yeah. Mark, I'd love to bring you in here because you head up strategy for Havas Creative Globally. Tell us a little bit more about the study and what you were trying to achieve with it. Sure, sure, sure. So the first thing is, it's absolutely reflective of the, the narrative that you're hearing coming through from, from Eric and, and Andre. Um, so just to give you some context, we interview around 100,000 people every year across around 30 plus markets. And we sort of interview everyone from different segments, different demographics, all of those sorts of things. And, and it gives us a huge and expansive sort of set of insights and, and, sort of, and some learnings. One of the most important things is that really people are, and brands are competing for a share of attention, share of wallet, but most importantly, share of emotional investment, right? So what we're seeing is that brands are really struggling to sort of break through and cut through and really make themselves meaningful. In fact, one of our keynote statistics is that 75% of brands could disappear tomorrow and nobody would care, right? So, so then we start to explore what does make brands meaningful, that small number of brands that really are cutting through. And as we can see, as we've started to talk about, they're starting to sort of talk to purpose in two separate different ways. They have a business purpose, which is very much focused on sustainability, ethics, ESG, all of those sorts of things. But they're starting to develop their brand purpose in a different way. They're starting to reflect a more personal sense of what brands need to do for people in their lives whether that be enable them to get more healthy, whether that enable them to think about their wellness, their mental wellness, their spiritual wellness, but also give them the tools and the capability to move their lives forward on a day-by-day -day basis. 
And so that shift we're seeing, which is what we're calling the economy, this is this notion of where purpose gets personal, is really coming through strongly now across all those geodemographics that we're seeing across all those markets. And it's really driven by culture. You know, culture is fast moving and it's influencing the way that people expect and, and interact with brands. And that's something that speed is, is getting faster and faster now. And it's something that we can really tap into with that brand work that we're talking to. So I guess, Donna, like now that you have health closer to creativity in the business, do you feel like some of that meaningfulness, are you able to bring that over into some of the other sectors you work on? So actually our position of meaning, uh, meaningfulness and meaningful brands uh, spans across all of Havas, health, media, and creative. So we're all focused on delivering meaningful brands and meaningful delivery for our clients every day. So it was quite easy because our strategic toolkits are all aligned. So Andre, um, talk about how the study supports Havas's ambitions to bring health more into culture and specifically help address the health equity crisis. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think at the core of being a meaningful brand is this, I, you know, this core truth, right? Brands are intangible things and you understand them as you do people, right? And people need to have meaning and purpose, right? You can't, you know, you go meet someone and whatever their function is in your life or how they're introduced to you, you they play a role for you, right? And so leveraging the meaningful brand study to have as a backbone for making these arguments for trying to walk people on this path. Because at the end of the day, what we're all talking about is revolutionary, you know, thought as far as this industry goes and the process goes and trying to take us one, two, seven steps ahead of where we've been to bring what we do on our side much closer to what people feel out in the world. Right. And so I think having the tools to to give brands more purpose, to give them more meaning out in the world and to have, you know, data at your back, right? You need to have data because you can't just go do things willy nilly. I wish people just did things because I thought of it, but they, they want to know the numbers. So we need we need the meaningful brand study and we need those things as the backbone of our arguments. Eric, do you have thoughts on that? Look, I have so many thoughts. You know, when you look at the when you look at the reality of the, the meaningful brand study, you look at the top 50 brands. Health brands aren't currently represented in the top 50. You know, when we talk about the opportunity, that that's there for those brands that are that should be deeply meaningful brands. They're deeply meaningful products, but they're not yet deeply meaningful brands. And that's the yeah. bridge that we're looking to, to address. That's the opportunity. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you build on that. I think the other thing to say is the brands that are at the top, that have purpose, are making health part of their meaningfulness. Mm -hmm. And so you see that you see the two sides sort of converging on one another. Yeah. And it's sort of like, it's time for health brands to, to occupy the space they command, right? Yes. And, and not let, you know, consumer brands sort of take health into their own orbit. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, you're speaking about this in Cannes. Can you talk about your presentation and what you're, what you're saying? Yeah, and I think there's another part of this, and, and Andrea and I are going to launch this initiative uh, tomorrow with, uh, um, with our friends at Vivendi called Welltainment. And Welltainment is really a whole new view of what creativity needs to be in the space to tackle the health equity crisis. You look at the billion spent um, on quote-unquote advertising to address health equity around the world, and it's having almost no impact because the health equity crisis, the gap is widening. Mm. 
And when we look at what that is and you look at the work, it's built on fear and guilt and shame. And you talk to people about what that means. When we talk to professors that are looking at behavior change and why this gap is widening, they say like fear leads to anxiety and anxiety leads to inaction. And so we've got to think differently about the work that we're putting out there. And we think that's work that looks less like advertising and more like entertainment. And that's why we're calling it Welltainment. And we're looking for clients to go on this journey with us. We're looking for clients to create content with us to address the six top health inequities in the world. So Andre, from the creative perspective, what does, what does Welltainment look like? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a simple shift, right? But, you know, one of the things we, we were talking about earlier, um, this shift from the idea of com- uh, product placement, right? I have my Lexus and my Black Panther to conversation placement, where I wouldn't, why wouldn't I want uh, a character, whether it's Idol or whether it's Euphoria, to have asthma. It doesn't have to change the plot line or story, but entertainment at its core, as you're talking about, right? It is content that is made for enjoyment and amusement, right? I would take that one step further and I I would say we engage with entertainment to better understand humanness and better understand ourselves, right? And so if that's a medium where I, you know, watch Dallas Buyers Club and I can learn about a community that's going through something, well, why wouldn't we as people who want to elevate these conversations on behalf of the brands that we work with and ultimately on behalf of the people that we want to represent as consumers, why wouldn't we push our brands to pay for those conversations to be in the spaces where they already want to go. Yeah. It's also, you know, as, as more people watch, you know, ad-free content, it's important to get brands in that part of the conversation. Um, Mark, I'm curious from a strategy perspective, like how does that change the brief? How does that change (laughs) the strategic insight? Oh, I mean, it, it dramatically changes everything about the creative development process. So we start to think about the deep and deep uh, drivers and motivations of the audience and the things that they're really starting to deal with in their lives, and we start to use that as the as the sort of you know the the material that we then speak with the guys about and develop those briefs and start to think about how we can start to devolve and evolve the the ecosystem of content that that needs to live around that because advertising in and of itself is is one way of thinking about how we can start to inject that that material and that conversation into life. I mean. The guys through Welltainment are talking about taking, you know, that conversation and, and putting it into all those different aspects of culture. Again, coming back to what we were talking about, culture is driving the conversation. So if we can start to reflect that through the nature of that we and how those brands turn up and how we drive meaning for brands and how those products start to sort of really start to pop in people's lives so that those connect up to those conversations and become solutions. then I think it changes the entire relationship that, that brands and businesses have with people in, you know, in the real world. Yeah. Can can you share an example of how this is already impacting one of your clients? Sure. I, I'll use an example and, and uh, from Reckitt. So um, you wouldn't think, you know, back to when I said that every brand is a health and wellness brand today. Laundry detergent would be the very last brand that you would think would be starting a, a conversation about, um, about health. And yet you look at, um, at Reckitt and you look at Vanish Laundry Detergent and you see a story that they have started about girls with autism, a, a sort of ignored part of the population where we're, we're only talking about boys with autism before. And you see the conversation that that sparked in culture, 
but you also see the impact that it's making in brands. And you sort of say like, what? Like a laundry detergent and a, a, a teenage autism. How are those compatible? Well, the story about children with autism is that they became they become very attached to um, to things that create normalcy in, in their lives, consistency. And the story of of this beautiful piece of content that they put out um, was about a girl and her hoodie that she needed to wear the same hoodie every day to feel like herself and balanced at school. And so she needs to come home every day, have that washed and be renewed and stay with her on her, her journey. And you see that intersection and you see the difference that it's mean for, that's bringing meaningfulness to that. So that would be, a, that, that would be an a example. I'd also say another example would be, we did this work with, uh, with Pfizer and BioNTech around um, the vaccine. And you sort of talk about how we are consuming non-ad supported media, particularly uh, uh, Gen, uh, uh, Gen Z and millennials, over 55% already consuming content in non-ad supported media. So when you looked at where we were with Pfizer and BioNTech and trying to get people to get a booster shot, only 10% had gotten it, that all of the advertising to try to get people boosted wasn't working. And so we created a partnership with Marvel and created content. We created a comic book um, with an Avengers character that constantly sort of evolved, like, um, you know, just like the virus was. And, and then you saw a 70% rise in desire to get a vaccine from just a whole different way of going about that. Not like shaming, guilting you, scaring you into getting a vaccine, but making it entertainment. It's worth just um, building on the record store as well, because it's, it was also the format and the way that we took that to market. I mean, we were looking at formats, which were two, three, four minute long films. Uh, so we, uh, and we worked with the, with the platform channel four to actually create those spaces to exist in their schedule. So it was a really different approach all round, sort of picking out that insight, understanding that, that normalcy, that relationship between, you know, the, the, the individual and, and how important their products were and their, and their clothes by actually then taking it into those sorts of entertainment spaces and behaving like an entertainment brand. I think that's what's sort of getting us that, that cut through. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say that. I mean, that's the power of the network, right? It's the power of Vivendi. It's the power of a loss. Like, I don't think anyone can else can sit here and say, oh, we're going to take on bringing all of our brands, not only to better meaningfulness, but also to bring them into the entertainment space. Like, we're already, we're already there because that's how we're set up. You were, I was just going to ask, like, how, how does the, how does being owned by Vivendi allow you to do this more flexibly and in, in more interesting ways? We have huge access across uh, Vivendi. We work very closely with Canal Plus, UMG, although UMG was spun off and taken public. We still own 30% of UMG. We're going to be announcing something in the near future with UMG launching. So we work together every single day right across. And it's amazing because when we, when we shot the autism, you know, Canal Plus is involved. We're actually right now shooting a documentary for one of our clients with a renowned producer from uh, Canal Plus. So this happens on a regular basis with us. One other thing, I wanted to follow up on the uh, comic book that you guys did for, for Pfizer and BioNTech. How is, um, the blending of, of health with more consumer focused creativity, how is that sort of changing like the ad formats and, and the ways you 
communicate in health? Because typically it's that 60 second spot with all the disclaimers at the end, right? So like what's, what's changing? What's becoming more creative about how health brands go to market? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, uh, to Mark's point earlier, I mean, this is the, the part of me that as a creative person sounds like a strategist, but I think it makes the connections planning and the comms planning that much more interesting. And the more we can take steps towards just yep. reflecting what a person's real life and orbit looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Like people don't, you know, I'm not walking down the street thinking like, oh, this part's black boxed and this part's not black boxed and branded and unbranded and all these other things, which we understand as constraints, but we got to like have the boldness to kind of let go of some of that, right? Yep. There are different touch points you got to show up in. If you're talking about behavior change and going to that level of what actually moves behavior, talking to professors and people who do research, you know, every day, it's like, you got to show up in a few different washes, right? You can just put the conditioner once you got to do it three, four times. And so now we have so many more tools in our arsenal to build equity to Eric's point to build equity and then borrow that equity in the branded spaces. We're talking about connected TV. Why wouldn't you watch a a version of that Marvel comic book that was actually animated. And then when you cut to commercial on your Hulus or your Tubies or whatever, now you can have your branded ad for this. Oh man, that's the same subject we were just talking about. And now it's top of mind. So we're actually warming people up to have these things be top of mind. Because again, we're not in a place where people wake up every day and think, man, I need to check in with my doctor, especially historically underserved people. They feel disenfranchised. They feel out of the loop with the system that it doesn't serve them. So unless you meet them in a place where they're open to the conversation, it doesn't matter how good the burger is I'm trying to serve you. If you're not ready for lunch, you don't want it. And so we're meeting people when they're getting hungry. Yeah. I mean, how does that sort of change? Like, on the flip side, the talent that you have at Havas, especially on the health side and how they're thinking about how to go to market and how to do creative differently. Because I think, you know, people get really stuck in their jargon and their processes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I think there's two things to think about here. There's, there's, there's a linear mechanism by which we have to process work, but then there's also the way we can sort of build, you know, audiences internally around those different moments. So for example, our strategy set, we will create a collective of strategists talking to Andre's point, who will have a really clear sense of what's going on in our consumers' lives or those people's lives, understand what those touch points are, understand how we can't just be pushing messages now. We can't just be selling stories to people. We've actually got to create engagement. We've got to find ways and means to sort of infiltrate their lives and sort of bring something of value to them. And equally, on the creative side, we have to build a creative collective that have different ways of thinking, you know, from the publishing side, from the entertainment side, from the music side. So everything is changing in that way. We're starting to bring very different brains around, very different talent around each of the different aspects of the of the job. And then you get into the production side and we sort of decouple out into the world and we start thinking about all those different businesses that can actually help to sort of bring true execution to the table. Because one thing is true about all of this, which is, you know, people out in the real world, they want stuff that looks good, that feels good, that sounds great. They want quality entertainment, right? So this isn't just about sort of, you know, commoditizing entertainment. This is about making sure that we continue to drive the bar and continue to increase that quality threshold. So we're all about that level. And I think that speaks to the Vivendi uh, aspect as well. They know how to produce beautiful quality content and beautiful quality entertainment. So at each aspect, we're starting to change up the system and change up the talent that we bring to the table. So Donna, I'm going to close it off with you. Um, what are you most proud of about just, you know, in the past year as global CEO, how these two teams have come together um, and sort of the positioning around meaningful brands? 
So I think the coming together of the team has been flawless. We just recently had a huge pitch where we had media, creative, and health involved, and you couldn't distinguish who was who. It was amazing in the room to see the coming together, the respect, the admiration for each other on how the teams have really driven. And uh, I have to tell you, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining me. This was a super interesting conversation, and I hope you have a great rest of your week in Cannes. Thank you. Thank you.